Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Bing, ba-ding, bong, bing, bong. It's suggestible time, everybody. Wow, finally. That's what I say. My favourite time of the week, Claire. I feel like it's your least favourite time and you're just humouring me for being here. No, Claire, the least favourite time <laughs> of this is when the show finishes for me. That's <laughs> the least favourite time, you know? Yeah, because yeah, I guess so. This is the only time of the week where I actually speak to you. It's true. Because <laughs> uh, I know uh, obviously you couldn't be speaking to me too much this week. Oh, by the way, this is just suggestible. Uh, I'm James. This is Claire. We, we, we're married and we suggest things and whatever. This you, is not a very good intro. No, it's a very good intro. Now, you obviously couldn't be speaking to me much this week because you were very busy reading the book Project Hail Mary. Oh, shit. <laughs> now, for those people who don't know, two weeks ago. Claire, How is it already a week has passed? <laughs> a week is a sh- I feel like time has sped up and the space-time continuum has gone weird and I feel like it's been a lot shorter than a week well, since the, we last recorded. There are certainly some similarities in what you're saying uh, to the book project, Matt Hail Mary. I mean, you would know that if you read it. Oh, okay. the smugness. So, You've been holding this. You've been looking at me, making my breakfast, drinking my coffee, have, sitting at the kitchen bench. I have been watching you. I have. I've been like, look what she's doing. She's not reading Project Hail Mary. Oh, no. She, she doubled down. So two weeks ago. And colleagues, you don't have to put this clip in because you put this clip in last week. Claire said that she would read Project Hail Mary. She said she would definitely do it last week. Uh, She didn't, obviously. And so uh, we talked about it and I said, this is your chance to just say, I'm not going to read it. And that's fine and walk away. But no, and here's the clip. This is you doubling down. So you can, uh, you could double down and say you're going to read it by next week. Yes. Or you could say, I will not read this book. God damn it, I'm going to read the buddy book. <laughs> okay. I'm going to do it. As you can see, you insisted. Oh, okay. Thank you for putting that in, Collings. And now here's an opportunity for you. Here's another out. Just say you're not going to read it. No, I'm definitely reading it. No, I am. I am leaning in. After this is finished, I am not going to go and watch the delightful documentary I was planning to watch on Netflix. I am going to download this miserable book onto my Kindle and I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it now because if I don't do it tonight, I won't do it. You can't read I it. I will forget. Night. I just like will completely forget. I'm going to write Hail Mary on my face, on the mirror. Mm-hmm. And I, it, didn't, it just flitted out of my mind like a bird. Claire, we don't need to have this conversation. <laughs> we, had this like conversation we had this conversation last week. So we don't, we don't need to have this conversation God, it's again. It's like the poor listeners are living in Groundhog Day. Yeah, poor them. Exactly. <laughs> except the Groundhog is me and... Who? What else is in the Groundhog Day? Well, I, Bill Murray. Bill Murray. Uh, and, and the book is Bill Murray. Andy McDowell. And Andy McDowell. Oh, I don't like her. She's not really. Sure. Involved. Did you hear a story? I, I, was, I saw a story Actually, this week. I don't, know, I don't know anything about Andy McDowell. I feel bad that I said that now. She's fine. She's in she's Four a, Weddings and a Funeral. I know. She, so, she's got great hair. So there's, true. There's been a lot of people uh, coming out and selling stories about Bill Murray, but more like, Bill Murray's mean. And one of them this week was Seth Green. You know Seth Green? Mm-hmm. 
His little redhead guy, he's, Austin pa- he's in Austin right. Powers, he's Dr. Evil's yeah. son. He was also in some kind of teen show. He's in a bunch of teen. He was in, um, uh, what was he? He was in Can't Hardly Wait. He's in Thank a bunch you. of stuff. That's where I know him yeah. from. That is my main reference. He's robot Rob chicken. Comes. He's doing from a robot 90s. chicken and all that. Anyways, he said that he went on Saturday Night Live uh, as, um, as a performer, as a child performer when he was nine. And uh, Bill Murray came into the room and said, that's my chair as I'm watching TV. And he was sitting on the edge, like the arm of a couch. And he's like, no, there's, there's a couch. You can, I'm, I'm sitting here or whatever. <laughs> and they got in this argument. And so Bill Murray picked him up by the ankles and put him in the bin. And he said, trash goes in the trash. And he put a <laughs> child in the bin. Oh and he was like gosh. crying and upset. And Eddie, Eddie was like, he ran off and hit under a table. And Eddie Murphy had to come over and be like, hey, don't worry about Bill Murray. He sucks. <laughs> Just, you're a professional. You can do this or whatever. So, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> so Bill Murray. Uh, maybe famously terrible or oh, something. No, because I thought he was like fun and eccentric. Yeah, I mean, if, as a, a joke, it's like something. that could be like a fun thing, but that's fucking that's psycho. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah, is there no one left in the industry that's any good? No, you can't rely on anybody to either read a book or be a decent person. Claire, <laughs> uh, what are you recommending this week? Probably something you have watched. Maybe my feelings. Mm. All right, well, you wait. You wait. Can't You'll wait. see. But You'll you're going to come back. See. You can't throw it in my face because, like, I want you to read it, Claire. This is what I want. I'll be proud of you, Claire. I hate that. As opposed to, All right. as opposed to he the is using the phrase. That I feel bad because I'm currently making this midget project thing, and James just keeps telling me, "Do I want to tell this story on the show that you're proud of me?" And it's lovely and very heartfelt. And I just find it incredibly patronizing and I hate it and sure. I get really mad at you. Dog but then like you, it. I know, the dog's like agreeing with me or not agreeing with me. Ollie, stop it. Ollie's got her own rivalry going with a possum. Yeah, oh my God, there is a massive possum in our tree. There's no leaves on the tree. Yeah, it's back. And it's sitting at the top. Mm. I thought for a minute there was some kind of like handbag in the tree and I'm like, can't be a handbag. It's a possum. Couldn't it's be huge. a handbag. Its tail is taking over like three branches. Ooh. I don't know. Could They're getting monkey. bigger around here, I'm telling you, yeah. these possums. Anyway, back to the story about the proud thing. Now you are starting to write this cool short film that's Early up. days and it might not happen. It is. I know. But all I want to say is that now I, every time I look at you and you're all working away on it, I'm like, I'm so proud of him. <laughs> I feel really bad that I've been like poo-pooing every time you say proud you of me. You better not tell me I'm proud because I know you won't mean it because I don't mean it. So that's how it works. Oh, no. Anyway, what's Crushing. your first recommendation? Oh, yes. All right. Excellent. Okay. So I'm so excited about this one. Heart Break High, James. Good. This was a show from the 90s to early 2000s. It was. Did it you was. Watch the, did you watch the original Heart Break I certainly High did. Was it very much in love with Drazik, had a, an eyebrow ring and was absolutely fabulous and gorgeous in, in lots of ways. So for those who aren't from Australia, let me paint the picture for you. Heartbreak High was a teen drama, obviously Australian. It had bad boys, leather jackets wearing IDGAF boys, Ooh, in fact. I know. That's crazy. Exactly. And that was... It's a high school, really. And Drazik was kind of the ringleader who would, like, tell the teachers to rack off. He'd say rack off. Yeah, exactly. And at the time. Drazik's now in uh, Marvel and DC movies and stuff. Oh, really? Batman killed him with a gun. Wowza. Well, he fought Captain go. America in an elevator. I see. Goodness. Yeah. he's That's ca- the actor, Callan Mulvey. Oh, I know. He's the patron saint of our podcast. Yes. Is he really? No, he is. Oh. Is he really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, he doesn't know that, but yes, he is. <laughs> Wow, he's the painter's side of my heart too. Good. There we go. Yeah. I knew we were married for a reason. <laughs> Got him in common. 
Anyway, and so there was this constant on and off screen girlfriend that um, he had played by Lara Cox called Anita. And the show had a lot of kind of really quite explicit drug references and at the time very risque storylines. So a lot of parents were up in arms about the fact that their kids were watching Heartbreak High because it was on after school. Oh, yeah. And so a lot of people were banned from watching it, hence Mm. everyone loved it even more. And it had a really awesome soundtrack with bands like The Screaming Jets, Fronte, Chocolate Starfish and Baby Animals. Loving all of that, Claire. Yeah, and there were just like shopping malls when the actors came to appear with just like thousands of teenagers turning up. Yeah. It was massive here. It was massive. And I loved it, especially for Drazik's eyebrow ring. Now, <laughs> fast forward many a moon later, I'm no longer a teenager. I'm a 37-year-old woman. And I didn't want to watch this because I thought a remake of something I loved so much. Is it a remake or is it a continuation? I guess you would say, well, there's none of the same characters in it. So it's not a remake. It's not the same skew? No, no, but it's got like a similar vibe. But it's been updated, I would say, is the best way of saying it. And it is much more progressive. Sure. The cast is much more diverse. I would say it's also... It was a pretty diverse cast like for then because there was a Greek guy in it. Yeah. But yeah, but it's more... It's, it seems <laughs> now like it's more really diverse more now, diverse. Yeah. Um, but also it's, it's diverse from a gender and sexuality perspective yes. as well and a lot of the storylines are quite explicit. So it's not really a movie that if you were a teenager you would want to watch anywhere near your parents unless mm. they were like super open-minded because it, it does go quite full on in different places and there are a lot of drug references and all of the things. Mm. So it's been adapted for Netflix by Hannah Carroll Chapman and it follows the students and teachers of Hartley High as they navigate racial tensions in Australia, high school romances and all sorts of teen angst. It came out on the 14th of September in 2022. Now it opens after a map detailing the sexual exploits of Hartley High students is discovered graffitied on the wall of the school and all of the students whose names were on it are forced to attend a new sexual education course called <laughs> called the Sexual Literacy Tutorial, which they then kind of put into an acronym as SLUTS class. Um, and so the map's creator is Amory Wadia, played by Aisha Madden, and she's kind of the lead character. She is... Right. So great and very funny in this. And she also, little known musical fangirls, which sort of exploded here. I interviewed the writer of that, Eve Blake, who was mentored by T. Minchin. And um, Aisha's actually in that. So I saw her perform a couple of years ago in the Fangirls musical book when she was pretty much an unknown. Now. Now she's everywhere. That's awesome. And she was fabulous in that. And there's actually also another cast member as well. Wait, who who does Eve play? A student? No, Eve's not in it. Oh, okay. No, I mean Aisha was in the in the production of Fangirls. Oh, I get you, I get you, I get you. Okay, yeah. yep, yep, So yep, in yep, Eve yep. Blake's no, original production, and that Fangirls musical has since gone on to win awards and be it played at the Sydney Opera Yeah, it's and, huge, yeah. But at the time, I went and saw it in a little theatre. It's not that little, it's famous, but it's quite yeah. small, the Belvoir um, Street Theatre in Sydney. And it had like a limited run. So I saw it, yeah, so the cast were really unknowns then. And, yeah, so Aisha plays Amory so well and – her character becomes a social outcast after taking the fall, even though her best friend, who also drew the the map of everyone's sexual exploits, um, Harper McLean, played by Asha Yasbinsek, mm-hmm. um, has stopped talking to her following a tragedy at a music festival they attended. So the two are best friends. They create this map. 
it comes out that they like the map is discovered and at the same time they have this big falling out and it kind of you start to you feel like something happened at the music festival and Amory doesn't know what it is but Harper um who's kind of a punk kind of vibe I guess turns up at school with a shaved head and he's not talking to anyone and has a whole lot of attitude happening. Ooh, attitude. Correct. So then it kind of So that's the jumping off point. That's the jumping off so point. So it doesn't feel like these are just new characters you just met. It's like this history here. Totally. Mm. And I think the map is really clever because it really outlines straight up, wow, this is going to be, yeah, a lot about sort of sex basically. Sure. Oh, the whole show. and how teenagers are kind of exploring their sexuality and gender roles and friendship and costuming is awesome. The soundtrack is awesome. It's got that really 90s aesthetic, which is all back in again, which is making me sound like a really like old lady, but that's what I really loved about this. And another one of the cast members of Fangirls is non-binary and they, James Majuse, plays Darren Rivers, who is a queer and non-binary student who becomes really close with Amory. So their storyline becomes really prominent as well Um, and they're fantastic. And I remember seeing them on stage and being utterly blown away by their performance and actually accidentally bump into them when they were getting picked up by their parents on the street. What? (laughs) Yes. And I stood there. And did you say to, anything? Yeah, I did. I, I just said I really loved your performance. That was really awesome. And they really, not blanked me, but just like were really like, okay, lady. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> old woman. Yeah, okay, old because they're all, I don't know if they're teenagers now, but they're very clearly early 20s. Yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah. and I was just out there being like, you are fantastic. Well done. Well but done. anyway, lovely. So really cool. Other cast members include Chloe Hayden as Quinny Gallagher-Jones, um, Darren's lesbian best friend who is autistic. Now, Chloe's really interesting too. She's mm. autistic in real life and is um, an influencer on Instagram as well and right. does a, is it a really creative, incredible person um, in her own right. And I think it's so fantastic that they have an autistic character being played by someone who is autistic. Yeah. I think that's been a really smart choice. And Definitely. she's also incredibly charismatic and funny in this and sweet and just absolutely adorable. So she's one of my favourite characters mm. actually in this and I think it's played so beautifully and she depicts what it's like to live with autism and high-functioning autism, I would say, they've written it in such a way where you really get into her mindset and understand um, the challenges that are facing her as well. Mm. And it's just it's just beautiful. It's really beautifully done and really moving and also breaks down some kind of stereotypes that you think people might have about people with autism as yeah. well. And, yeah, so super refreshing. I, I, I hate the depi- a lot of the depictions of autism. I've talked about this a bit. It's just like people slapping their heads when there's like loud noises or whatever. You know? Yeah, there's and there's none of that. of that. This is really interesting. It's someone... Or it's a superpower. It's like, oh, I can count all the pins on this board or whatever. Correct. Yeah, yeah. and it's not like that at all. She's this really interesting, highly creative person who's very funny and also um, is really obsessed about this particular book series. That mm. she, So she likes to dress up. As is it a real book character. series? I don't know. I haven't looked it up. Mm. Uh, but she goes to the signing and there's an episode where they follow her storyline particularly and really show what it's like for her to be in a restaurant setting and she's on this date with someone she really likes and then because of the over-the-top kind of sounds and she gets overwhelmed by, like overstimulated by everyone around yeah. her, 
she can cope with it, but she shuts down. And so the person uh, she's on the date with thinks yeah, yeah. she's being rude yeah, gotcha, when actually yeah. she's just not coping mm. um, with all of that overstimulation. And so it's just so much more accurate, I think. Anyway, so she's fantastic. There is also a very, uh, very gorgeous Australian model who has now since had his, like, face plastered everywhere, right. um, Joshua Houston. Who plays Dusty? And he's, I guess, your equivalent of the Drazic kind of character. Right, right, right. Yeah, he's just sort of exploded everywhere, really. Oh, God, that sounded awful. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't mean it like that. What's his name? I want to see how handsome this dude is. Character is called Dusty and he is Joshua Houston. Oh, that's right. He actually said his mum used to watch Heartbreak High. So so he's one of the breakout stars as well and I wouldn't be surprised if he's in lots of other stuff. Yeah. Um, as well, but there's there's also um, Sherry Lee Watson and um, plays Missy Beckett, who's an Indigenous student involved with Sasha, and that's really refreshing too. There's actually um, two Indigenous characters in this as well. Um, another one played by Thomas Weatherall as Malachi Mitchell, who's a bisexual Bunjalong basketball jock, right. and he also kind of has a relationship with the lead character Amory. And so that is also something really cool. They bring in First Nations culture in a way that's kind of casual. Mm. Really, I just, there's so much about this to love. Like there's just, it's not kind of a main part of the storyline even. It's kind of done in a way that's really, I feels really grounded. And yeah, the script absolutely. is excellent. Well, that's really good to hear. Yeah, there are some really traumatic, some traumatic yeah. storylines. So it does go Heartbreak to quite dark always places. kind of done. Stuff, well, again, it hasn't apparently yeah. hasn't been on TV since like nineteen ninety, but nineteen ninety nine. But but yeah, yeah, it's not quite as it's not as it's not Euphoria. No, um, it's not. It doesn't go as far as Euphoria, but it's on the road towards. Damn, euphoria. this dude is good looking, and he's twenty five. He shouldn't even be at school. What yeah, I know. Yeah, I think they're all in their kind of early twenties. Yeah. It feels. So you know how like the OC was. Like there were a few little dark storylines, but overall it's pretty shiny. It was mostly it's, them being on the run, driving in the sun, yeah, looking correct. out for number one. Exactly, wearing chinos or something. Yeah. But so it's it's so it's darker than the OC, but I would say the age of the actors seem cut. It's that similar sort of vibe. They're playing, you know, students, but yeah. um but it does feel too. a bit more realistic than yeah. that. But yeah, they're they're really, really excellent. And they they also do really well. And I think dealing with some really important themes as well. Mm. It's quite educational around consent and themes of sexual violence and what it means to be in a relationship with someone and how to do that in a way that is safe um, for both parties. And so they actually do genuinely talk and educate about um, STDs and all of that sort of stuff and and sharing images online and the impact of that on other people and, and just talking about, People who, like, there are characters in the show. There's a character who is asexual. There's characters who are bisexual. There's characters who are non-binary. And that's kind of interesting, I think, to explore as well. I feel like if some parents of teenagers watched it, it might send them into an early grave. So <laughs> to be does. honest, it's a bit terrifying. But anyway, I'd highly recommend it. It's it's a, it's great. All and, right, cool. Yeah, Heartbreak High. I probably will check this out. 
Because mm. I like Heartbreak High and I will watch second Heartbreak High. I think you'll be, I actually Well, Heartbreak like High, there was actually the Heartbreak Kid and then there was Heartbreak High. And now there's Heartbreak High again, more oh, Heartbreak. I oh, that from, um, is, I wonder if Heartbreak High last time was Hadley High School. Is it the same? No idea. I, 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 idea. I can't remember that bit. I'd love you to watch this though. I'd love to know what you think of it. It sounds like something I would like because I love watching 25-year-olds pretend that they're 16. <laughs> My favourite thing in the world. <laughs> Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Claire? James. I read this comic a while ago, but I, it's been on my list of things to talk about, but I'm here to talk about the book Mouse by Art Spiegelman. Now, if you are a, uh, if you're a comics aficionado, maybe even know a little bit of comics, this is one of the most famous graphic novels of all time. And here is the synopsis, Claire. Here he goes. As you like to say. Uh, so it's a nonfiction. This nonfiction book uh, is presented in graphic novel style written by uh, American cartoonist Art Spiegelman. It depicts, it depicts Spiegelman interviewing his father about his experiences as a Polish Jew and Holocaust survivor. So it tells that story in two time periods. It's set in 1978 and also during World War II. Except in the book, anybody who's Jewish is depicted as a mouse and anybody who is a Nazi is a cat. It's a metaphor, I'm sure, also. So it kind of looks like, oh, yeah, this is a book about cats and mice and there's pig people in it and whatever. But it's, it's, it's a true story told in this kind of slightly fantastical way. And what's interesting about the art is I should have brought it in because it's in the other. I don't have it to show you, Clay, but. Art Spiegelman, who's in his 70s now, he has a lazy eye, so he lacks like depth perception. So as as a result of that, it will, his work is described as the 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 artistry as uh, labored simplicity with dense visual motifs. And I guess uh, to, for lack of a better way of explaining it, it just it's very kind of clear and precise. Like you know, a lot of comics you might see a lot of like movement and muscles and musculature and all of those yes. things. This is not this is not that. This is more kind of like. I can't even explain it. Just Google it, Claire. It's good. It's really good. But as mentioned, it's set in two time periods, 1978, and this is when he's interviewing his father about his father's experiences back in World War II. Now, the thing about his father is even though that he survived World War II with his mother, who's no longer, who by the time 1978 rolls around is, is, has died, she, uh, you find out why in, in the book, he's clearly experienced like incredible trauma and he's just gone through you just see the things that he's go through to survive, like the hiding and the like changing his identity and, you know, and kind of bluffing his way through and, and watching the Nazis and their, and their regime kind of creep in and kind of strip away the rights of people slowly. And you see the different reactions where some people are like, well, we should leave now or, you know, you know, I don't, you know, I don't think it's going to get any worse than this or whatever, or surely, you know, this can't be happening, et cetera. And you just, you see this and you see it from this man's, ex, you know, ex, you see this man's experience unfold, but also he's, his father's like he's stubborn and he's mean and he's like set in his ways and people don't really like him. Like he's just, he's not beloved by, he's got a new wife who doesn't like him at all and she doesn't like him. And he also doesn't really think his story's worth telling. So he's like telling this story so like matter of factly and it's just horrendous, you know, and, and things that he's like, it's incredible the things that he did to, to survive and, and seeing this story unfold, but he's just kind of no, no so nonchalant about it. You know, he's just kind of like, you know, it's just a thing that, 
That's just I did. And, you know, it's just, God, why would it, why does anybody care? Why do you want to write any of this down? But it's also, that's coupled with his son's story and his experience growing up as the son of Holocaust survivors. And also he's a, he's a struggling artist. So he's got that generational trauma on top of that. And he's also, you know, endured a lot, you know, hearing these stories and also growing up with these people and his own experiences in, uh, in New York in you know, in growing up and, and into the, into the seventies. Now it's obviously amazing. Everybody knows this, Claire, you're staring blankly, but it's been amazing since it came out in the eighties. I think it actually finished in the early nineties in the U S recently, there's been a move to, in some schools to ban uh, this book because it considered like it's political in nature really? and, it's, and it's, there's, there's a bunch of that shit going on, but, uh, and you know, it's, you know, it's, you know, it's kind of not appropriate to be told, but it, it's, it's ridiculous because this is, a, and it is again, it's cats and, and, and mice, but you don't even, you forget that it's not, it's just more of a, I think it's more of like a visual distinction. So when you're looking at something, you know who somebody is immediately, you know, it's not like, oh, here comes the Nazi or, you know, cause it's a cat, you know? <laughs> Actually, I don't like cats. I know controversial. I've been I've been in trouble before for saying that. You had a cat, Claire. You and liked I, that. We cat. probably got more emails about that from the time on the episode when I said I don't like cats than any other time. Well, I just want to say that uh, I'm indifferent to cats. So uh, if you're going to send any hate, send it Claire's way. Oh, good but there's Lord. different cats. Like dogs have different personalities. Apparently, that is very true. And I actually think my judgment is clouded because I'm sort of semi allergic to cats. Sure. Well, that would definitely be a factor. Right. Um, so yeah, the idea that these this book is being banned is ridiculous because not only is like this story a story that, you know, is important and should be told and should be read about all stories like this, you know, ser- they serve a place in history as a warning, as a, as, you know, as being aware of other people's experiences, as being aware of like a certain time in history, as you see these patterns like repeat themselves, you know, and they have for thousands of years. And I just think it's uh, it's it's obviously really great. It's really important. It's also got a big Nazi symbol on the front with a cat face on it. So don't leave it out because people might be like, what the fuck is this Nazi cat book that you're reading? <laughs> uh, if you didn't know what it was, you'd be like, what is this? I've seen that on your show. Yeah. You've, I've seen you reading it. You told me all about it. It's great. It's I yeah. mean, it's grim. It's like it sucks because it's so grim. Yeah, yeah. But it's real. like it's just it's – and the only re- – you know, I've, I'd known about it for years, but then when I heard that, you know, in certain places they were banning it, that was the push for me to go, I'm going to buy this. Like I've been meaning to, I don't really buy a lot of physical comics, but I'm going to get this one and I'm, I'm going to, and I'm going to read it and I have, and it's, again, it's terrible, but it's, uh, it's good. It's <laughs> really it's terrific. Good. Yeah. Excellent. That actually, I will never read it, but I have picked it up and looked at the art style and yeah. it's, it is really fascinating. Yeah. I see what you mean. Mm. You love grim shit, my friend. Well, yeah, I think it's only like. Because it's like it's it's so much more grim, obviously, because it's it's real, you know. It's yeah, it's completely. just it's just yeah. And I don't know because like you hear the the stories and you hear like the numbers, you know what I mean. You hear the stories of concentration camps, and we even you know we even visited one when we we're in uh, we we're in Europe. But just like telling this personal story is just a different perspective, you know. It's not just numbers. It's like it's individuals, it's families, you know, it's friends, it's. People turning on each other or helping each other—it's yeah. all of these, um, all of these different elements. Well, I, I don't know if you've listened. There's an episode of Taunts where I speak to um, a really close, uh, good friend of ours, um, Shan Darling. Yeah, and her family are Holocaust survivors, mm. and she tells the story of how her grandfather in the Holocaust lost his wife and daughter. So yeah. they were taken. So he went out to get bread one morning and came back and they'd been taken by the, yeah. the Nazis um, and murdered. And he, in his latter years, he obviously remarried, but there was a lot of silence in their home and um, she goes into that kind of feeling of this 
strange idea as a child because they came here as refugees that someone really hated her, like this little man in a far-off country, and she didn't understand the context of that or whether he was alive or dead or not, just that she sort of had this vague idea that he hated her because she was Jewish. Yeah. And I haven't, I don't think I'd really thought about it from that perspective, from someone that you know and their story of what that would be like. We've got our own family's histories, mm. you know, and but having that story and then she goes in to say it's that. it's so close, like it's not. Yeah, it's so close, yeah. right? It's it's you're right. There's the numbers, and then there's really listening to people's stories, which is I I think what I love about my job with Chance. I yeah. just get to hear people's stories. What she said was really interesting. In his latter years, he got dementia, and so he started just talking about how his wife and daughter were coming for dinner all the time, and they'd be like setting places at the table. God damn! And yeah. having his um her grandmother would take her outside and. She'd be asking questions like, who are these people coming for dinner? And so her grandmother had to kind of explain to her why her grandfather was feeling the way he was. And yeah. and when you really think about that, yeah, you're right. It's it's like – and that's one story of millions. Yeah. Mm. So um, – and it is – if you start really thinking about it, it's terrifying mm. <laughs> because it – And just know. this whole idea that – and it's – I mean it's always been there but it seems more prominent, the fact that like – I can't understand how you could be like this didn't happen or it wasn't as severe as people like because it, it's so obvious it's so obviously did it's just it's just disgusting that you could just you could just flat out just say something like that mm-hmm. you know it's just I don't it's the danger that we're living in at the moment we've yeah. talked about and there's before. that removal because it's been yeah. eighty odd years now mm. whatever it is yeah so there is and that generation is like they're dying like there's not a lot of them left you know whereas when we were kids. You know, there were there was there was a lot of we know people of that era. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah they're like our grandparents who are now mostly dead. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. It's um, full man. Full. Anyway, you got it's something cheery, Claire? I do actually. Oh, let's let's um, bring up the mood a little, huh. please, James. I think I brought it fair that you started it on the downward incline, and I really drove it home. I just wanted to talk about the cool art. Yeah. It is very cool, actually. Yeah. All right. So I want to show you guys something fun. So a couple of weeks ago, my brother and sister took me to one of our favorite podcasts, Chat 10 Looks 3. Disagree. With journalist Lee Sales and Annabelle Crabb, oh. who are amazing. And I've talked about this show on the podcast before. They're two women. So Lee Sales was the lead anchor of 7.30, which is kind of like a current affairs show here. One of the most respected journalists in Australia, I would suggest. Mm-hmm, she interviews mm-hmm every politician ever and all the prime ministers and all the things and he's just a powerhouse of a person plus an amazing author and Annabelle Crabb is a political commentator and also amazing author and just hilarious in her own right. Anyway, the two of them have had this podcast for years where they um, talk about things they're watching and looking at and reading and cooking and all of the things. Sounds very similar to ours actually. Yeah, <laughs> um, Except Anyway, they've developed this beautiful community um, based around their kind of shared love of books and, you know, film and content. Anyway, it was awesome. And during that live show, they came on because they're both, I would say, they're in their like late 40s. Yeah, like sounds that. about right. Yeah. Um, they came dancing onto some music, some like Ibiza um, dance music, which was a little, like a lot ridiculous, but, you know, great shtick. That's, you know, leaning into their shtick. Anyway, and then Lee kind of buried the lead for the whole show about why they danced to this music. She's like, I'm going to tell you why we were dancing to techno from Ibiza or whatever. And then 
she gets to the end of the show and she tells the story about this New York New Yorker article that she read. Mm. And I just found it so interesting. So I wanted to quickly mention. So she the, the New Yorker article is about a DJ called Solomon, who is known as the king of Ibiza. And he has been been performing at Ibiza since 2013. And he plays solely at the island's oldest nightclub, Pasha. Yeah, so at least 20 Sundays a year. But the reason it's so fascinating to me, other than the fact that like the whole article is really well written and 3,000 people will go and see him perform on a night, a table close to the front will cost 20,000 euros. Uh, Why? For an evening. And he plays from midnight to 7 a.m. And he's very Catholic apparently and he's like six foot and I think he's in his 40s now. He's German. Right. And I just kind of like, he's like very specific with the kind of music style he performs with. And people, he, like, he might invite celebrities to come and DJ with him. But like James but Blunt? Can, no, who, but you. He lives on a beater. But he wouldn't, though, because he only will invite someone if he deems them to be worthy or, and uh, have the ability to do, run the DJ decks. I mean, maybe he's played with James Blunt, but. Um, I find it really just fascinating because he also drinks up to 30 shots of tequila during the night. That's too many and cannot yeah. be true. Oh, but he's huge. Like, What's he's his very name? Tall. Solomon. King of hedonism is his name? Yeah, that's it. And he's got a very speci- like specific technique for creating this dance music and he's supposedly like it's crazy. They'll like fly him in on private jets and, you know, he's just – I just find it so fascinating. He's just this like, yeah, he's really, really tall. And also apparently with no visible change in his sobriety, he will drink 30 shots of tequila and just be completely stoic, like same straight up and down. I do not believe that this guy can drink 30 shots of tequila. I don't know. I reckon he's an odd duck. Over six hours. Yeah. No. All right. I mean, if he is, he's the writer followed him around. He's a crippling alcoholic, if that is true. (laughs) I don't know. He he seems to me to be a really interesting character. Like, there's lots of things about him having to have like a completely dark room when he go before he gets into bed or something, and just like some really funny. He's got 1.5 million followers. Yeah, he's he's ginormous, Mm. and I just I find that so entertaining and also really interesting that. He's got this particular, and that's not really my music that I listen to, but he, because he's deeply Catholic, he kind of has this idea of himself as being like the leader of this is like a church. Like church. Right? Yeah, it's church. Yeah, yeah he's, or a he's shaman. Solomon Live, and the Live is made into a T, like a cross. Yeah, so yeah. Say, yeah. And he kind of builds, he takes his whole premise is that he takes dancers on a journey. He believes dancers want to be taken on a journey. So sure, I'd believe he that. He starts yeah. his set at midnight. Plays till six or seven a.m. or something, and during that time, he takes them on this kind of epic journey. Mm. But I just find that I just find people who are incredibly dedicated to one specific thing fascinating. This guy's going to die doing this this year. Yeah, <laughs> particularly these thirty. Anyway, so what did that have to do with? Lisa. Well, Lisa was just super fascinated by it. Oh, okay. It. And then she they was, weren't like, know, and here he is. No, no, he that's what out. I thought might have been happening. No, she just thought it was, and it just became really hilarious because clearly she, like, has never been to a night. Like, she listens to classical music and plays a cello. Like, it's just yeah. not her vibe. And But she said she listened to it because she loves music. Like, she's a big music fan. 
And so I, she. I mean, you'd have to be absolutely pinging to stand there for seven hours. Though, yeah. Right? I don't think, think I could. So. I couldn't handle that sober. I don't know, but if it was the right type of music, I can dance. I absolutely could not. Yeah, I know you could, but I could. If I was in the right atmosphere, I wouldn't even have to be drunk. Mm. I would just be loving it, loving myself, sick yeah, on, the, would, on the waves of energy. You would midnight till 7 a.m. <laughs> no, definitely. I wouldn't. Not now. My God. It's like 9.30 and I'm like, you, I need to Do you remember when we, when we were in the Greek <laughs> islands uh, and the place that we stayed at, this is over 10 years ago, and there was a dude from, I think he was from San Francisco there called Steve, and he would come out every summer for the summer and he'd run this resort with one of the local guys. He was like beetroot. He was well. like, yeah, he was beetroot. He'd, he'd been doing <laughs> it for like 20 years. So he was, he seemed really old, but he was probably like early 40s, which yeah, I'll fast approach. Yeah, at the time we were yeah. like, And he was just like, oh, I'm just going to have a quiet one tonight. And then every night he would just get absolutely fucking blotto. And he was just like, yeah, you know, I said last year was going to be my last season and whatever. He's still there. I bet he's still there. I bet if I found this place... <laughs> I'd have to go through like the uh, <laughs> through some old notes and whatever, but I reckon I I a hundred. If he's not dead, he is there. Yeah, but I do. I did feel that because we it, it was a bit of a um. It was a trap. It was you can see how people like, like that. a lot of yeah. people, the older people you met there, like it's just like yeah, I was going to get married and then I came here and then I never left and now yeah. they're like fifty five <laughs> or whatever. We're just fine, man. Whatever you want to do. It sort of feels a bit like an like what is that movie with Leonardo DiCaprio at the beach? Or it something? was like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because it it's so easy. It's so easy to just we met our friend party. Phil there. We our did friend Phil. our good friend Phil. We called ourselves the team, and we yeah. travelled around for ages. Rocking we just ate a lot of ice cream. Yeah, yeah. There was an incident with a bicycle and like a and a night out. It was just very fun. I remember I had a uh, Greek moonshine, uh, which was one of the worst things I've ever drunk. And it, but it was super cheap, and we were broke, so it was like three euro for like six yeah. shots or whatever it was. And I remember I bought it with like another guy, and I didn't know this guy. I have no idea who he was <laughs> to this day. But we both had a shot and he immediately vomited, like straight, <laughs> straight away. It was like, it wasn't even a pause. Like he, he like, he put it back and then he just vomited everywhere. It was horrendous. Oh, so awful. I oh, to, so God, awful. I could, I could really drink. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, Claire, remember when so Phil, I remember woke up in the morning just walking down the road. But yeah. he so clearly just been yeah. walking but just came to. I remember something hilarious, which there was a guy that was talking to you yes. for a while. And I don't know if you remember this. We were out. I do. He, you were just like chatting or whatever. And you're like, this is a friendly guy or whatever. And he was like chatting and chatting and chatting. And then I came over and like I held your hand or gave you a kiss or something. And he just fucking vanished. Yeah. Like he just like, <laughs> and you're like, oh man, he was, I thought we were friends. <laughs> and he just, <laughs> just like, like a ghost. He was gone. There was like a cloud of smoke in his shape <laughs> where he was sitting. It was like a... And I didn't come over to be like, this is my lady or whatever. I'm just yeah. like, I don't care, Claire, Claire. I don't care, Claire's talking that, to a guy or whatever. That used to happen to me a bit because I've got a very friendly face and I just like talking to people. I don't think it's because you've got a friendly face. You're just a friendly person, Claire. Yes. Well, yeah, well, exactly. I'm a friendly person. Yeah. But I do, it's disappointing. A lot of guys, and I think maybe it's not the same as you get older, it's like, yeah, they do have that, like there's that ulterior motive often or like an expectation that this could, you know. Yeah, which is else. really yeah. annoying, right? Because actually why can't you just have a chat with someone yeah. and not have an agenda? Though I guess at a nightclub in the Greek islands, it's probably it's a good point. Actually, it's probably fair enough. <laughs> I probably should have said from the outset, "My boyfriend's here." I don't know, yeah. but you know, I d- it doesn't matter because I do think that men and women can be friends. 
Absolutely. And I, I don't just, think that's uh, uncommon. Yeah. No, you know, so it's annoying. But I guess, uh, yeah, I guess as you get older too, yeah. it's different. It's interesting, all of that. Certainly there you go. Oh, God. Anyway, we like should go back nearly, to the Greek islands. We probably are. It'd be just the same, I'd imagine. It's and completely dude, the same. I had enough of them. We've got to move on. There was a dude, <laughs> and you were there, and Phil was there. We couldn't stop laughing. He was like, he was so burnt. He oh. was like, literally, it was purple. Like, it was just like, and we were just like, oh, my God, what have you done? He looked like a leather bag. And like he was it, just sitting at a lovely, fancy restaurant eating a big lobster yeah, with his wife who was dressed in a lovely sundress yeah. and was like a normal colour. And he literally. He was. I'm like, how is this dude even out? Like, I thought he should be in a hospital. Maybe he had a skin condition. I don't know. But he was like. He, he looked, looked like sun. But there looked, were a few He was redder there. than the lobster he was eating. <laughs> yeah, Anyway, it's we oh, should actually wrap we it should up. really yeah. move on. But anyway, if you ever go to Ibiza, Solomon, yeah, apparently Solomon, yeah, and Lee Sales did a really hilarious review of the music. She started off by just saying, "So I think it's quite danceable." <laughs> quite danceable, <laughs> I bet. Which I loved. Then she compared it to a bed because you like lay a sheet on and then you might take the sheet off, and you lay a sheet on and a blanket on, and then you take it off. It's just a really great analogy for what that kind of dance music is. And people, I'm butchering this because I don't know anything about dance music. And sure. he, yeah, there's just, it's just a whole world I don't understand. So I'm really sorry if I've even used ah. the wrong terminology for all right. of it. But cool. It's sure. even in New Yorker. Go check it out. I will. Claire, uh, do you know Thanks. you can review the show? It's just no. a simple. Ollie, we're trying to talk about how to review the Why show. Why is she back? Oh, it's the possum. The possum's back. I bet that's the bloody possum that's eating my seed, my seedlings again. Probably. It won't eat my garlic or my flowers mm. or my herbs. Do you want me to hit it with a rake? No, right. God. We'll get in trouble. I don't even know if we have a rake. I think Who, you should the go get a police? BB gun and you, shoot it down. Maybe I will. Do no, you, I don't mean that. This is from don't o, eat your possum. This is from Ogross85. You can, you can, you can, do you know, Claire, did you know this? You can actually oh, review this in-app, oh, just like Ogross85 has. Just sure? give it five stars. Whatever app you're listening on, I read them out. I've only got a couple left again, so if people want to get these in, that would be great. A thoroughly, uh, thoroughly entertaining and informative, even if Claire keeps inciting lengthy discussions in order to edge out subturtles. Subturtles <laughs> shan't be silenced, Claire. <laughs> But yeah, great. Hey, what do you want from me? I did a bloody rap. I did an Ninja Turtles rap. No. (laughs) No, it did happen. I did it. All right. What do you got, Claire, in terms of letters for this week? Ooh, excellent. I have a lovely letter from Kiara Giamatio. All right, let's go. Okay, so suggestible the King's Jester. Hi, Claire and James. Hope Hmm. all is well. As a suggestible this week, I have to recommend Hassan Minhad's new comedy special on Netflix, The King's Jester. Oh. Hassan is an amazing comedian storyteller and the way he put he, – I actually think another person already recommended this one and I read it out last week. Okay. Well, go, keep oh, going. Oh, no, Kiara. Let's I'm keep so going. sorry. But Let's anyway, and the way, he, the way he pivots from heartfelt to hilarious is a masterclass. This new special also deals with a lot of the pitfalls and power of internet clout. His show Patriot Act, as well as Fatherhood, which I think you'll enjoy. If you haven't seen his first special, Homecoming King, you should definitely watch that and Patriot Act too. That's it for me. Thank you, as always, for your amazing show, which always gives me a laugh and some encouragement no matter what I'm facing. Happy watching, Kiara. Have we talked about, was this last week? Yes. No, so last week I didn't read out that review. Another person, Davishish. Mm. Um, also recommended The King's Jester. Remember? This is the one. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah I still haven't okay, watched so, it yet, but yes. Yeah, I so these now other specials, I feel like anyone who listens to this, including myself, definitely needs to watch this because we've had two people recommend two the same thing. Two separate recommendations. Very close together. 
Mm, makes you think, doesn't it? It totally does. Well, thank you so much, Cara, for writing in. You too can write in with a suggestible to suggestiblepod at gmail.com with your recommendations or even with a voice note if you want to just record yourself saying hello on your voice memo app and send it to us. We would love that. Or just send us a letter. Send us a letter. Read it out on the show. And then we'll have a letter. And then we'll have a letter. That's right. We will. Wow. What an episode, Claire. Yet again, we've taken both ourselves and the listeners on a wonderful journey and we're going to get messages about cats and that's your fault. Um, Oh, no. But not my fault. And Nazis. And I probably said something else terrible. (laughs) I can't remember now. Oh, yeah. Possums. I said we should shoot a possum. I don't mean that. You don't mean it? Not today. All right. Fine. If it eats my bloody seedlings again, I tell you what, I'm coming for it. I understand. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thanks. Callings for the edit. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.